Thank you for joining us for part two of our podcast interview with retired senior patrol agent, canine handler, Larry Weinbrenner, Century Class 100 out of Los Fresnos, Texas. He talks about the very first historic Border Patrol canine class out of Tuscaloosa, Alabama. You don't want to miss it. Ain't no patrol like the old patrol. Honor first, honor always. from the very beginning. You're talking about the very beginning, very first. Very beginning. Okay. 
had barn doors on that open, just like barn doors. And uh, you can see the little, they, these horses, I mean, they, they lived good. They had, uh, when they fed the, the hay was up above, and they had a, they'd open a, a, a little trap door above each uh, stall yeah. and drop the hay in for the horses. And, <laughs> uh, but the accommodation were all that great because there were, what's that called? There was 20 of us. Yeah. There's quite a bunch, but anyway, we had one shower, and that, that was a little, it was single file, I mean, you had to wait to let you turn, but uh, <laughs> we had one, one shower in there, and uh, uh, which uh, I know was very strange, but yeah. anyway, it, it turned out to be uh, quite an experience. It, they, they were a good good training center, they had good, uh, good instructors there, and uh, anyway, we were there for two and a half months. Wow. And uh, Dave, the uh, last training session for the dogs to certify. I had a dog who's Nero, and Nero had been working pretty good up to that point. But one of the, the tests was to take the dogs into the barn and to find the drugs because there's all kinds of smells and critters and everything running around barns. Anyway, Nero decided that he'd rather chase chickens than he wanted to search drugs, so they had to wash it out. Uh-huh. So we uh, we drove. Uh, they, the rest of the dogs were certified. So what the instructors told us, they said, "Well, what you have to do is go home." This was right right before uh, it was right after Thanksgiving because we had Thanksgiving at the academy, which is kind of a uh, it was good. It was good food. We had a good cook there, but uh, but it was kind of strange not being with family, but. Anyway, we uh, he said, "Well, we'll get you a dog because all the dogs had to come from Europe at that time. The Belgian Malinois and the patrol had were all from Europe instead of uh, being bred here." And uh, so anyway, I had traveled with the group. They had to go to Laredo. They wanted to uh, get the dog, dog some OJT on uh, the checkpoints. Mm-hmm. And that started in Laredo. Uh, is that, well, I was at Laredo, and which is kind of interesting because uh, that was my my sector, and uh, I uh, things have changed so much since I had left there that uh, a lot of these trainees that were working the the checkpoint, they had never got a chance to go up and explore. And of course, I didn't have a dog, and I was kind of bored out of my skull. So I, I told one of the guys, I said, I'm going to take a car and go up north. And there's a little town called Ensenal, which uh, used to be a place where both uh, Petula and Laredo would work. And we we didn't poach on each other, but uh, sometimes we'd help each other, and sometimes, you know, ones would catch something up there or what. But anyway, I went up there, and lo and behold, I don't know if I didn't catch five walking the streets of Ensenal and drove back. And the trainees on the checkpoint couldn't believe it. You could go up there and snatch wets up off, <laughs> off the road. And, uh, and, uh, and then I realized the patrol had changed considerably since I'd even left them. But mm-hmm. I got the old hands, and uh, and Joe Garza was the uh, chief there, and uh, I had coffee with him uh, one day. Uh, he came in the coffee shop when I was there. And uh, anyway, I went back home. And had Christmas, and then they called me after New Year's to come back to uh, the training center in Alabama. So I spent another two weeks down there training and bonding with the dog. And that, that 
Ah. And it, that, that really turned out to be the best thing that ever happened to me. That dog, uh, that dog was so good. He, uh, I, I was so amazed that you could teach a dog to do what all he did. And there's a lot of things I didn't know he could do until I found out later. Our dogs back then were only supposed to be drug dogs. They were not patrol dogs. They were supposed to be just drug dogs to search for drugs. Mm-hmm. Well, we were we had to certify uh, twice a year, and certification was over in Spokane, Washington. So we had to drive over there to be certified. And uh, anyway, one of the guys knew something about uh, about those dogs uh, that that came up out of Europe. He said that. Uh, I'd be willing to bet you that dog has had patrol work because Gus was older than most dogs. The patrol did, didn't want dogs more than a year and a half old. Mm-hmm. But when my dog washed out, they had to scramble to find any dog that they could in Europe at that time. And Gus was double that age. He was three years old when I got him. Oh. So anyway, there's one agent told me, he said, I'll be willing to bet you that dog's had patrol work. And he said, there's three things that a dog has to to be good at and uh, to be a patrol dog in, in Europe is to be able to uh, find evidence is to be able to retrieve a body out of water and has to be handler protective and I never practiced that with guys before but anyway he said I'll tell you what I'm going to do I'm going to drop walk out in the middle of this field and I'm going to drop my, my motel key and I'll be willing to bet you that dog will bring it back to you. So we had to give our, our, our commands were in Dutch. We had mm-hmm. to learn the commands in Dutch so that someone couldn't circumvent any orders that uh, we give a dog out in the field. So mm-hmm. I gave Gus the, the Dutch word zook for uh, search. And he methodically worked that field, picked up the key and brought it back to me. How about that? And I could not believe it. So. Then uh, when we got back, I, I we uh, I had become very good friends with uh, canine handlers in Canada, and sometimes they'd come down and certify or, or work with us and, and train with us uh, down in the, uh, the fairgrounds there in the little town we lived in. And sometimes I'd go up into a van, close to Vancouver to train with them. So then we got a chance to try to practice uh, handler protection. So anyway, the guy in the padded suit. Uh, Came out. I, I kept my. I always kept my uh, uh, window down on the driver's side of the car, and I kept the little sliding window open in the back of the cage where Gus was. Mm-hmm. And Gus, that got down like he was beating on me, and Gus was out of that car in a nanosecond that took him down. Wow! And I, I thought, well, do I tell the chief or not? Because <laughs> I didn't want to lose Gus. Because man, he he was a great dog. Yeah. And uh, so anyway, I, I kept it to myself. And and uh, anyway, there was uh, a, there was supposed to be a a protest march to the Peace Arch in Blaine, Washington. That's supposed to be a pretty big one. And the chief said that he wanted me out there with Gus. Uh, just just to have a dog present, present. I said, well, Chief, I, I guess something I have to tell you. I said that I did hope, I hope that it had to come to this. I said, Gus has got, he's had, he has train, 
Gus wasn't going anywhere. Uh-huh. Anyway, the protest fizzled out. They didn't come up, so there was no need to want to go out. Yeah. But uh, he was he was so good. He uh, watching him work. He he when at certification, whenever uh, it was his turn, he had such a swagger about him, and he could uh, he could pinpoint drugs. Uh, it was unreal. And uh, I uh, give you an example. After I first got back, they always teach you they can't trust your dog. Don't trust your instincts. Trust your dog. And we uh, we got a call out from the highway patrol that they had a, a motor van stopped, and the guy had a prior for uh, drug smuggling, but had nothing since. But it was one of those motor homes where they lived in it, and I mean, they had chicken bones from Kentucky Fried Chicken laying around. They had uh, they had two dogs in there. They had dog food laying around, and I got on there and I thought, oh, this is going to be a cluster, mm-hmm. and so. Gus went right for the chicken bones right first, and I had to yank him off those. And then he went to the bag of dog food that dog, the dog's dog food was, and I had to yank him off that. And uh, he strained the lead, and I pulled him back, so I thought, we'll go back and check the rest of the motor home, and this is going to be an event. So as we're going back out, he goes back to the dog food again, and he sits. Uh, no, that just can't be. So anyway, I got off the motor home, I told him, the highway patrolman, I says, if I'm a vet man, if there's any drugs in there, it's in that bag of dog food. Well, they dumped the dog food out, and sure enough, there was the drugs in the bottom no of the drug. No kidding. <laughs> so I had to apologize to Gus, because that, uh, <laughs> I, I, I violated the one thing they told you, is trust your dog. Yeah. Uh, he just, uh, they are an amazing animal, and he, uh, I had him for five years, and they, uh, I, I must admit, the patrol worked with me well on this canine program because mm-hmm. when I got there, I was told I I was to set it up. I was supposed to do everything, uh, but they wanted a uh, they wanted some exposure for the dog, which meant contacting OAs. They wanted him to uh, wanted a school program for drug awareness program. And uh, then, of course, be available for uh, regular, regular duty. <laughs> yeah. I, uh, they, the first they let me design my own, my own canine unit, uh, which I thought was pretty neat. Uh, they had a, 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 a Ford Crown Vicky, took out the back seat, and they covered everything in rubber. And uh, I went to a sheet metal uh, place there in town. They made me a metal tray that had a lip all the way around it and put a hole in uh at one end of it and put a, a, a swivel a PVC pipe. I had seen this on uh, uh, RCMP canine units and works great for cleaning out the car if you have a mess in there. Mm-hmm. And you can put dry dock tiles down and the dog, uh, if he has an accident, he doesn't have to lay it because it drains down to the bottom. He just wash it out. And they, uh, I mean, they, they, they spent the big bucks doing all this, and, which I, I do appreciate, because uh, they, they were first class, and his, his, uh, they had a doghouse built for him and a run and uh, up in the great northwest. Most houses are logs, you know, up, and so they, they like that uh, that design. Well, the, the lumber yard built him a, a doghouse out of logs, and they put a covered run that 
cover. Mm-hmm. So uh, with uh, snow or rain get on and uh, and so anyway, uh, they 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 told me he says you, you just go ahead and you set it up and do what you uh, you want to do, but we want results. So I got the case, I got the school program going, which worked out great, and I, I started uh, doing local schools around uh, our area. But the word got out, and darn, if I wasn't traveling, we'd go over to the San Juan Islands, put on a canine uh, demonstration, and I'd give my little spiel yeah. uh, about drug awareness. And, uh, and the kids loved us. I mean, it, uh, that a dog, for some, for some, I was always a little bit concerned being handler protective, but he loved to be loved. And those dogs, <laughs> those kids would hang all over him. And one of the most memorable moments of, uh, in my drug awareness program is I did a, 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 a school uh, uh, event in the auditorium for the classes. And as uh, I was getting ready to leave, I had guests in the lead, had all my paraphernalia with me. And uh, this teacher steps out of this room and says, say, uh, could you uh, spare just a moment to bring the dog in? We have special needs children in here. And of course, they can't come into the, the main arena because they, they can be disruptive. But uh, they would love to see the dog. And I said, I'll do one better. I said, I'll take the dog by each one of them. And they can live on, on him as much as they want. And uh, I spent about another hour in that classroom. Uh, yeah. But, but uh, I, that teacher couldn't thank me enough because it made those kids day. And I, uh, that, that, that stuck with me. That's probably one of the but most memorable moments of my my career that when that happened. But uh, but anyway, uh, uh, we had the school programs going, which kept me busy. Well, when I intended to get exposure with OAs, which is I was hoping would just be the local police department and maybe the high patrol, mm-hmm. it extended all the way down where it could be an hour, an hour and a half's drive, and sometimes you get caught out in the middle of the night. And, uh, uh, but he, he was probably the only canine unit that was, that was, that was effective uh, in that neck of the woods. Yeah. I would, uh, then SWAT teams requested that I go, that I go with him on, on, uh, raids. And I would, uh, I would do that. I, I didn't mind doing that. And, uh, then we got operational details with the FBI and DEA. And we went on, uh, Two or three of those, even up to Anchorage, Alaska, and we worked at oh. a detail up there. And so we spent probably more time traveling uh, than most canine handlers of patrol did at that time. But uh, uh, it, it, I, I got to see sights. I mean, I saw moose walking down the middle of the highway. Hmm. I had to go to the federal building in Anchorage, Alaska, and it's something you just don't see every day. Yeah. I saw the Northern Lights. Uh, that's something else you don't see every day, but, uh, uh, it was, uh, it was, uh, quite a, probably, I enjoyed that probably the most of my, my whole career because, uh, I got to see and do things that I never did. The dog did all the work. I was his handler. I was just long. I was his, his assistant, more or less, but, uh, <laughs> yeah. uh he, he, uh, he, he 
Not at all. Not at all. I, I love to hear it. I'm uh, think going back a little bit to when you went to Tuscaloosa. That uh, did um. Uh, do you remember any of the other uh, canine graduates with you? Uh, the other agents and any of the any of the names of the other agents? Oh yes, uh, Griff Bassett comes to mind. Oh shoot, I got to move my. I got my scrapbook over there again. We had one comedian in that class. He would write a weekly newsletter. <laughs> if, you know, that's one of the most uh, uh, hilarious events he would post in the, in the newspaper. I mean, nothing, nothing escaped him. And uh, I, I kept every one of those, those issues. But uh, I see Griff Bassett was a, a good friend. He was, uh, he was in Plainwood, Montana. To, to, to see if there's any other familiar yeah. names that you could mention. Gus, uh, be, Gus being twice the age of the other dogs, that's probably why he had a swagger because he was the senior senior patrol dog there. That was it. That was it. <laughs> <laughs> like the rest of us senior agents that, you know, walk around with yeah. our seniority swagger. Yacht. Well, I said, that's no problem. 
we can afford that. And man, I mean, they don't waste any time on those, those gifts and this, this big Zodiac. But before we left out, they had to stop and get something to eat. So they sent this smaller craft in to get some munchies so for them to have something to eat because it was going to be a while. And I couldn't understand why it would be a while because I thought it was going to be in the port there somewhere. But it was out in open waters. And it was not a yacht. I mean, it was a ship. No. And this, they converted to a yacht. And I thought, no way. And it had an outside elevator to get aboard the ship. I mean, that's how fancy this thing was. Mm-hmm. I'd never been aboard. And we got aboard the ship and the, the deck up and the, the main forward there, the wheelhouse, all done out of teak wood. Uh, oh, that's just what we need, a dog, dog scratching the teak wood. And I told the lieutenant from the Coast Guard, I said, look, I said, there's no way that a dog could do justice to a ship this big. I said, I don't know when you said a yacht. I was expecting, expecting somebody just a little bit smaller, but I said, uh, there's no way he could do this. So anyway, and then they also said, well, there's, we can't take him into that wheelhouse because that teak wood, that would, that would really cause a commotion of impact. But we did search. He said, go ahead and search the, the cruise corps. It had 15 crew members aboard that thing. It was that big. And, uh, so anyway, we found some personal use marijuana and the uh, Coast Guard said, eh, we're not going to screw with that. So anyway, that was, but, but I, I never seen some, seen guys so subdued because he, uh, he had to lock both, both legs, all four legs on that, that deck he was on. He wouldn't lay down, but he, 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 he couldn't relax because that boat was going so fast. Yeah. I never seen him so subdued because usually he was a macho. Yeah. Type. And, uh, he, uh, he, yeah, that was quite an experience with, with, for him and, and me both because I never, uh, had been, had done anything like that in the patrol before. We, we did have boat patrols out there, but I never had gone with the guys on that and blame, but. And uh, we flew with, uh, we had to, uh, of course, Gus, we had to fly a uh, commercial aircraft when we we traveled to, uh, to Anchorage, Alaska, and when we go to Alabama, and uh, and we would drive most other places, but uh, uh, we would fly in a, in a border patrol aircraft, which is kind of a little, little cozy in there, but the Gus would get in the back end, and I'll never forget, one time, uh, we had one heck of a a great pilot up in, in the, the plane sector. He uh, he uh, uh, it, it picked us up at Linden because the post office over one of the islands and requested a search of a package. And it was getting to be late in the day, and so he said we can get over there and get back no problem whatsoever. So we get aboard the aircraft and we get up in the air. And the closer we get to the islands, the thicker the fog gets. Mm-hmm. We were in fog, fog so thick, I couldn't tell where we were up, down, which way, direction we were going. I was getting a little concerned. And Scott Patterson was the pilot. He kind of grinned at me. He said, don't worry, he said, I'll get you down. He was a, a fighter pilot in the, in the Marine Corps. And uh, he... Uh, he flew the fighter jets and uh, one heck of a pilot. They just 
final mm-hmm. instruments anyway. And he came in and out of that fog bank and landed at the airport, no problem whatsoever. And uh, we uh, we searched we searched the package and uh, we didn't get an alert on it. There wasn't anything in there. But uh, Gus didn't seem a bit concerned about the, the fog, nor did Scott. But I was a little bit concerned <laughs> because I've flown quite a bit in smaller craft, but I've never been in a fog bank like that. And uh, uh, unfortunately, Scott. Uh, crashed his plane in the mountains uh, a couple of years later and oh. was killed. Uh, yeah, I, uh, and we had, uh, had one other incident that I was supervising that night in uh, Catula. We had uh, caught a load of aliens and, uh, and the incident officer was unavailable to come to get them. So we had to uh, go down there. We had a roster we kept and we each took terms, you know, who we started was had to take a load down. And my name came up. I was, I was the first up on the list, and but I was a supervisor because uh, I was running the unit that night because uh, that for that period because uh, the 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 uh, senior officer was gone and mm-hmm. he was on the go. So anyway, uh, we had a kid by the name of Ray Salinas, a great. Great kid. I mean, boy, he had potential. He volunteered to take it down. He said, I'll do it for you, Larry, because you need to stay here because the train is going to be coming. And so he said, I'll, I'll get back in time to check the train with you. So I said, okay, and I thanked him, and he took off. And uh, anyway, we checked. The train came through about midnight, and uh, we had to chase it all the way up to Pearsall. It didn't stop at uh, Gardendale, where it normally stopped. Uh, we hadn't heard from Scott, uh, from uh, Ray, and uh, but which I didn't think anything of it because a lot of times you get down to sector and you see guys in sector and you sit around a job for a while. Yep. And, and so I thought, you know, I didn't think anything about it. Well, next morning I get a phone call saying he'd been killed in an uh, accident. He had, uh, you know, Laredo had had a, uh, a smuggler that they caught. And he got injured somehow. I don't know how he got. They ended up in the hospital, and it was being a real problem for the hospital. The hospital wanted him out of there, so they asked Ray if he wouldn't mind taking the the prisoner up to Catula and put him in the jail up there. And uh, and then the, I guess they were going to take him on up to, to San Antonio for uh, for prosecution. Uh, but anyway, we no one knows what happened, but. Ray coming back, there's a curve, uh, a slight curve, it's not bad, and you can take it at uh, 70 miles an hour and, and without, without any hesitation. But we don't know whether the guy, the prisoner was giving Ray a hard time and Ray just had to turn around and yell at him or whatever, took his eyes off the road. But the van went into the medium and flipped end over end three times and uh, ejected both uh, Ray and the uh, the alien out of the vehicle and the van and the van got fire and uh, a hearse drive a, a, a guy driving a hearse heading back to Laredo stopped but did not render aid and said he stole Ray's pistol Jeez. and left Ray there and uh, anyway of course the motors uh, passing by later saw it and reported that accident so I, I, man, I was so 
they didn't know what to think. I mean, man, that was so hard to accept yeah. that he was gone. And he had just become a papa. Oh. And, and uh, so anyway, uh, that, that was a sad situation. And I, uh, you know, a lot of times I thought, well, what if I had been driving? And I, I may not have had the problem with that alien that Ray did, because Ray, Ray, Ray was, uh, he, he was a noisy figure, and sometimes he could get a little angry, and I don't know that alien could have been angry anymore, I don't know. But uh, uh, we don't know, we'll ever know. And Ray's uh, father was a, uh, a, uh, a detective over on, uh, uh, I think East Texas somewhere. Anyway, he was, he uh, came over and he wanted to examine the van and uh, he spent some time examining the van. I don't know if he was looking for uh, a problem with the van that would cause it to, uh, to flip like that and uh, the steering the linkage went bad, who knows. So we're talking about um, Ray Salinas? Yes. Yeah, uh Norman Ray Salinas, okay, okay. Yes, yes. August 4th, Uh, August 4th, 1986 was his end of watch. Yes, yes. Uh, I, uh, that was a bummer, so I I, I lost two friends out of that, uh, my career, and I, uh, but that one with Ray was, unusual for him. Matter of fact, 
we were supposed to do it uh, to have done an event for the uh, Mount Baker uh, Kettle Club. Uh, they have a, a, a program every year, and they wanted a guest there. And I had I had to go without him because uh, he was lethargic. But uh, he uh, he uh, started acting strange, and uh, I. I, I didn't get him out to do much, and I took him home and I went outside one day, and we were playing. He seemed like he was going south again, and we were playing ball, and uh, my wife called me in to eat, so I put Gus in his bud, uh, went in to eat, and I went back out to get him back out again, and he was down. He wouldn't get up. Yeah. And that was not like him, and I, I kept trying to urge him to get up, and he wouldn't do it. So he loved to go to work. So I went back in and got his lead, and I uh, started snapping the lead, and he struggled to his feet, and I got him up. And I called the vet. I said, uh, we've got problems there. He says, bring him into the clinic. He says, I'll meet you at the clinic, because it was after hours. Yeah. He said, if not, he's locked out of the house. Well, bless his heart, he, uh, I said, we'll get him a patrol car. And uh, we got him to the clinic. And I, uh, the vet says, okay, he said, I'll, I'm going to observe him and I'll, uh, I'll keep him overnight. Let me see what I find. Well, he called me the next morning. He said he died. Oh. And uh, what had happened, he had a, uh, a growth on his spleen and it ruptured. He bled internally. And that's what killed him. But, uh, I just, uh, that was such a shock. I can't and I cried like a baby, I'll tell you. Oh. But uh, anyway, they had the, the, the town had, had felt so much of that dog. Uh, and they had, uh, they had a ceremony at the veterinary clinic. They instituted a uh, guard and they planted a tree in his honor and put his name in there. And they started, that started out to be a, Law enforcement canine uh, 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 burial ground now. So there's several law enforcement dogs, including two of the border patrol dogs, buried in that uh, that cemetery. But Gus was the first one there, and that tree is uh, still standing, which uh, I thought was quite admirable in the city because yes. they had uh, they had even had, had buses come out that brought them out from, from town because the vet bank sat on the outskirts of town and. Uh, Trying to think here if there's anything else that uh, I uh, I retired uh, in in '94. Actually, I I used annual leave at the end of, and uh, and that's my uh, my time in, in service. Mm-hmm. But uh, I uh, we left in October of '93 is when I had uh, my going away party and uh, it. Oh, I got one other. I forgot to tell you as well. It was. Well, the most hilarious. Okay. So, uh, my one riot, one ranger story. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I hadn't been in the patrol but a year, and we were at uh, Pachanga for uh, Leon Yannick and Dwight Jones. And they just finished up their uh, 10-month exam, and they, uh, they both passed. So we were at the party, and we get a call uh, from the sheriff's office requesting help at the courthouse because they just had elections. <laughs> the elections didn't turn out the way one fa- 
actually thought it should have turned out. And they had probably about 150 people in the parking lot of the courthouse. Oh. It, uh, Cadula only had, I think, two deputies and a sheriff. And, uh, I mean, there was a lot of law enforcement going around, but we had high patrol. And so we were trying to scrounge up any type of weapon we could. And I, I, I managed to get a, a, a little 38. And all I had was just a five rounds in it to begin with. Yeah. But I left and I drove over there. And I thought, oh, oh, now what do I do? Because they didn't cover this in the Bone Control Academy. <laughs> and here was a crowd. And they didn't look none too happy. And I, I, I was the only law enforcement there. Plus, I was in civilian clothes. And uh, I noticed that a pickup truck pulled up beside me. And it was an old Texas Ranger named Jack Van Cleve. And he was about ready to retire, but he was from the old school. Mm-hmm. And I thought, uh-huh, this is my ticket into the courthouse. I'll follow him and pretend like I know what I'm doing. <laughs> so Jack, one of them got in Jack's face and started screaming and yelling at him. Jack pulled his pistol out and said, you're the first one I'm going to shoot you. Don't get out of my way. That is fantastic. <laughs> you got to see it. Yeah. You got to see it literally uh, in in yes. person. Yes. Yep. 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 That uh, I I thought that was so neat. I mean, it couldn't have worked any better because I sure didn't know what to do. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, uh, so, but anyway, it it it, uh, it turned out okay. Well, they're they're legends. They're legends for a reason. I was 
gonna ask you that. I was gonna ask you no. what, what was your starting pay if you if you don't mind. Starting pay was ten thousand dollars a year. Oh. And I thought I skinned a fat hog because <laughs> I was thinking I think eighty eight hundred dollars a year at the post office. Yeah. At ten thousand I I broke that barrier. I mean I wanted to get so bad past that barrier. And uh they and the UOT came in a separate check, uh, which kinda was rat hole money. And uh always good uh save enough to buy a gun with. Yeah. But then they incorporated the UOT into your paycheck, so that, that didn't work out so good. But and like I say, I, I never got rich, but I was rich in what I experienced. Plus, we managed to put two sons through college, although they had they had to work too. Yeah. And they, they got some skin in the game. And uh, they got to experience things that I wish I had as a kid. They got to learn how to work cattle by horseback. Uh, they learned to drive tractors. They uh, they they got to hunt wild deer, uh, white-tailed mm-hmm. deer, uh, arrowhead hunting. That's another thing to learn how to do down there. Yeah, and one of them made his mark in the patrol as well. Oh, I tell you what, there is a guy that's got a, stories to tell. He's been to Bolivia twice. Uh, he's a war tacker. Well, uh, now now you got to now you got to put in a good word for me. to tell you first of all I, I truly appreciate you taking the time this morning to share your experiences and adventures you know from the time you started in Catula to you know making Border Patrol history as one of the founding members of the canine unit I think that a lot of people are gonna love to hear all those experiences and pure old patrol gold to me well it's been my pleasure I, like I say it uh, I'm getting up in years and I, I, I still enjoy talking patrol That's what we're trying to accomplish here is I, I want to record as many of these uh, podcasts as I can with with all our legendary Border Patrol agents, you know, that are that are that are still around 
so that the next generation could be proud of their heritage. Yes, yes, because the Border Patrol, Border Patrol is steeped in history for yes. such a young agency. And yes. uh, I, uh, I, I thought it was so wrong to merge customs and, uh, and the Border Patrol together because I think each one has their own uh, jobs to do and they do it well. But uh, just I wish they'd left the patrol alone, and uh, uh, because that we had our own identity, and, uh, mm-hmm. and uh, there's a, there's a pride in it where being mean green. Uh, yeah. Well, you know what the uh, the uh, the uh, the uh, commissioner of immigration back in 1927 said almost exactly those same words. This you know that know. our our organization will never. Should never be mixed with anybody else because we are a, a unique unit, and uh, personally, I think that one of the greatest law enforcement agencies on the planet. I'm with you there. There's no two ways about it because uh, you knew they called in for the riots in Ferguson. That, I mean, uh, in Portland, mm-hmm. uh, the Bortec uh, 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 is well trained. Uh, I uh, I'm very impressed with the. When they handle things, uh, I, it amazes me that uh, they were as effective when the other, other uh, agencies weren't. But uh, I don't know where, where we end, but I, like I said, I was proud to have uh, worn the green, and not many people get that chance because I tell you, there, there was many times I, I felt like quitting the academy, but I am so thankful that, uh, that I had the opportunity to stick with it and uh, because I, mean, I hadn't had I mean either fish or cut bait and mm-hmm. uh, I lost everything I built up at that point I said a family and I couldn't let them down so yes but it, it was it was best decision I made all lifelong friends I uh, uh, you made the, and different culture I've never like you say I like I said I already talked with them and it makes some food till I went to patrol. And now, man, I've got to have everything. Uh, huevos rancheros and uh, uh, chorizo con uh, huevos. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> uh, uh, I got my wife makes, makes chorizo for me, so I'm in good shape there. That's good. Well, sir, again, thank you so much for your time. And uh, I appreciate everything you've done for the patrol and for doing this podcast this morning. So uh, thank you very much, and you take care. All right, sir. Thank you very much. This includes episode 20, our talk with retired senior patrol agent, canine handler Larry Weinbrenner, Century Class 100, from his days in Catula, Texas, to making Border Patrol history as one of the founding members of the U.S. Border Patrol canine unit. What a great career. Please take a look at all our official Old Patrol gear offered exclusively at Old Patrol HQ. Go to OldPatrolHQ at BigCartel.com. Please share these podcasts with everyone in the patrol. We can learn so much about how things were done in the old patrol and enjoy our rich history, heritage, and legacy that we all share with a few shenanigans along the way. Until our next episode, remember, ain't no patrol like the old patrol. Honor first, honor always.